You're listening to the Tumbling Saber Podcast, a member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Check us out on the web at StarWarsCommonwealth.com, on iTunes, Facebook, and Twitter, and take your first step into a larger world. You've passed the first test. Once we begin, there's no turning back. Got it? Follow my lead. Let's go. Hello gang, welcome back to Bridger Transmissions, where this week we are going to discuss the occupation and flight of the Defender. My name's Kyle. My name's Corey. And I'm Em. Welcome back everybody. Ha- happy Halloween. Boo. <laughs> Alright, well before we start uh, breaking down the latest Rebels episodes, I wanted to just talk about this poll I ran last week, which which set Em off. Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh, you know, you're really (laughs) lucky right now. I don't, like, yell and, like, really just, like, give you the beat down. But because you are Kyle and you are, like, you know, the best of the best (laughs) of the Canadians, I won't chop your head off. Well, I just just asked the question, you know? No, just the question. You know how much he means to me as a character. How dare you? (laughs) That's like betrayal. So for those who don't know, uh, I ran a poll last week on Twitter, and the question was, should one of our heroes turn to the dark side permanently, who would you prefer it to be? And so the three options were Rey, Ezra, and Luke. And wouldn't you know it, Em's boy Ezra ran away with this poll. 58% chose Ezra to turn to the dark side permanently. Wow. I'm kind of on the same side of M in the sense that uh, this this question is like apples and oranges, really. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's the saga, the films versus, of course, no one wants to see Luke turn. No one really wants to see Ray turn. And no one really wants to see Ezra turn either. So you're really choosing the lesser of evils here. And it's, that's what I'm it's asking kind of biased. Do. Nobody wants yep. them to turn. Well, you know, there's, there are some people that do want any of those three to turn. But it's, it's it's more it almost seems like a question of like who do you like more between these characters really that's what it's boiling down to. Well, no, it also could be I I think this person turning could be the most compelling or makes the most sense or you know there's any range of reasons why I, I, there's no place to put your reasoning. You know, nobody really replied with their reasoning, but well, I all think we I think we all knew Ezra was going to eat it on that one. Yeah, and then someone said to Corey uh, with his evil sidekick chopper. That's ads. He's a big part of the show. He's, uh, he's, he's a good dude. One of the greats. What I want to know is what is up with those Loth wolves? Well, we'll, we'll get there. I, I still want to dig about right? talk about this poll because you know I, I, no, I, I like no. the Discord. I like the Discord. No. This thing it has reaped. But well, yeah, you like getting me going, don't you? Sure, why not? Yeah. <laughs> you have to set the timer to figure out how long it would take me to, you know, um, like. M and her upsetness of me putting Ezra on that pole. Did you actually time it? Well, see, I wasn't. I wasn't actually trolling you. I was honestly asking the question. You, oh, you were trolling me. <laughs> M, it's not all about you. Come on. Oh, the kid of the of the transmissions is always going to get the bullet. Hey, but you know what, Ezra on the dark side. You know, maybe that maybe that ensures his survival. If he stays on the light side, he probably won't make it. Excuse me. 
<laughs> You're really pushing it. But interesting though that Ray and Luke both pulled twenty one percent. Interesting well, that Luke, those two pulled into a dead heat. You just don't touch Luke, okay? Luke's Luke. He's been there forever, so I immediately put him to the side. So it was like between Ezra and Ray, and I know Ray's a female; she's my gender. But you know what? I find that I've, I'm more invested into Ezra because we've had more of Ezra, right? Absolutely. So. You could probably argue so, we've had more of of Ezra over Luke when you when you put it down to like pure screen time. Yeah, that's for sure. It's a given. He's been in every episode. Well, and I think Mark Hamill will be really upset with you if he came on top. I think he personally would have something to say. What, like bringing up a beef with Ryan Johnson about his character? <laughs> Maybe. Hey, it, it would be. Probably my crowning achievement as a podcaster if, if Mark Hamill took me to task over a question that I asked. You know, I didn't make these 112 votes. <laughs> I love it when a poll gets really gets people really like riled up. Like Corey, I, we asked, we did a poll a while ago, M, and Corey was just irate over it. He just could not accept the results. It was amazing. I don't know how how long ago that was, but if I, I find the clip, know. I will send it to you because. It just went on and on about Corey just could not accept and was going so far as to say that people don't know how to read. <laughs> I, I still don't accept. <laughs> That's amazing. And then we made fun of him saying, you know what? Donald Trump said he wouldn't accept the accept the results of the election should he lose. So you said, you know, Corey and Trump, uh. two peas in a pod there. Let's talk about the occupation here. So the, the first thing I want to say about this episode is while we have a bunch of things to, to talk about, I'm so glad that this episode was air, well, aired the same night as Flight of the Defender, or I would have been mm, really nonplussed, unimpressed, I, I, I would say. So, Corey, let's, let's get you talking over there. What was your first impressions of the occupation? Well, I, I loved it. Well, I'm shocked. Like, well, I mean, again, it's one of those things where there's so many things happening at once that... I don't know and what's what's not to love about this episode. It was so Star Wars to me. Like again, just being on Yavin Four at the beginning, that planet is or that moon is really hitting it for me, man. Like every time we're there, it's just like I don't know. I'm just feeling the Star Wars, you know. And the episode's just super he- uh, Ezra heavy. Like starting with him having those visions of Lethal, and he's suffering, man. Like he's hurting bad on the inside. He knows he needs to do something, and luckily he gets his chance. Uh, Mon Mothma says, you know. Um, the Tide Defender program, we got some intel. We need a team. The Ghost is the team to, to get this job done. And strangely enough, she tells him, you know, there's no extraction here. Like, you guys going to, this is going to be like no Ghost. You guys go in. You're going to have to get out on your own. You're on your own. And Ezra kind of says something bold where he's like, I've thought about this a long time. And I'm not leaving till the job's done, kind of. So, uh, at least till the end of the first uh, couple more episodes or the end of the first Half of the season, we might stay on Lethal. We might even stay here all season. I don't know. It but, looks uh, like we're there for for a, yeah a good stretch here. And what what were your early takeaways? Oh, I don't even know where to begin because you know, <laughs> it the animation and the voice acting and the um, character arc build up has been phenomenal it's from even beginning of season four. And how we see Ezra develop more into his character arc, it's just 
the storytelling is so deep. And the animation, you, you just see the breakdown now of Lothal. From season one to season four, it's now a complete barren wasteland to me. Yeah, I, I think what they've done here is a really good um, representation of all the stuff we've been reading about in the new novels, uh, a little bit in Rogue One. Just we see, We've seen Lothal go from this almost like a virgin planet into this yeah wasteland like you said em it's it's been completely ravaged by the empire we got bits and pieces of that through catalyst and in the ahsoka novel touched on it with with um ilum but we're and we're... this this um episode reminds me of this one particular song of my favorite band imagine dragons and the song called radiating fire and it just now it the rebellion is now even more pushed to you know defeat the empire so you, you we all know that they really form like take the formation of the rebellion in row one so something has to happen dramatically within these well we're now down to what 10 ep no not 10 10 episodes about that yeah we're, we're six Nine. down Nine. yeah 10 10 episodes left so these next 10 episodes are going to be a huge mind you i think there will be a break but these 10 episodes will be a huge dramatic event that ends up you know making the rebellion hesitant of going back to war well you, you just like you just kind of said like the the next 10 episodes we still have so much to get through here and the first six have just the ball just got rolling and it's going with a lot of momentum. Like the pace is like breakneck right now when we're watching this stuff. Like the storytelling, like you said, is incredible. The animation is so on point as well. And one thing I want to say about that is that I was thinking about this prior to this season and even at the beginning of the season. But this episode, it really struck me a lot more in the sense that I look at Ezra now and I could see how much he's really aged physically. Where that was kind of like lacking for me a bit before. Like I want to stop looking at him as a kid. And in this episode, I looked at him very much as uh, an a older, yeah, an older teenager, like a young man. He was looking at too physically like this. The changes are so subtle in the animation, and we've looked at his face for so long now that it's hard to notice what they've done. But like, look at his buddy there, um, Jai Kel. Oh my God, he he was just speaking from a young girl. I think he's pretty darn hot because look, <laughs> look at his hair for once. That, that look, hair and his, and his height too. Ah, oh, he's a dream. Well, you, you didn't enjoy his uh, clean cut Imperial look? No, no. <laughs> he had no, beaver but... hair with the Empire. Like it's, young beaver yeah. hair. Uh, now he's got yeah, Imagine Dragon's like hair. It. No, he doesn't have Imagine Dragon hair. What? What? Oh. Anyway, oh my god, I'm, I'm just happy they brought him back into this. Like, it's really interesting that they did that. Like, I hope there's more for his character. Well, while when they do their stint on Lethal, I hope he comes back because I mean, he's force sensitive too, right? Like, they said that earlier on in oh. season one or two. One is he, yeah, yeah, that's why they got him out of there. That's why they broke him out of the Imperial Academy. He was I being hunted. He showed the signs. I don't yeah. think he's force sensitive. I don't think he's Jedi material or whatever, but he could have been Inquisitor material. You know, like there's something about the Inquisitors that aren't so much. They're not able to really 
attain that next level of Sithdom or Jedi Dem or whatever that makes him a big threat. So, like, I don't know, maybe they were throwing him into a special program anyhow. Well, there's nothing about him in the data bank that would point to that. Maybe they're burying that that aspect of his of his character for now. It's or maybe well, there's something the, on Wikipedia. I'm not going to look right now. It was in the training. That's what they were like. That's what the training was about to like let these like Ezra and them like the cream rise to the top, so they can be like, okay, these these kids. There's something a little abnormal about them. Let's get them closer under the microscope. And it's funny how you mention uh, season one and breaking ranks because when uh, Cal went up to Ezra, he was calling him Oleg. And if you remember who Oleg is, yeah, remember that cadet that was that almost compromised Ezra's yeah, the, the meanie. Yeah, <laughs> big bully. And it's funny how he called him Oleg. Just you know, callbacks from season one too. Even with the puffer pigs. Also, yeah, the puffer pigs. Yeah, I was I was awesome when I saw them. I was like, nice. And Vizago really wanted to get his hands on those as well. It just makes me wonder what exactly Calrissian and himself are looking for in Lethal. Supposedly, Calrissian did really well for himself. So I don't well, know. Just one pig, one pig. So Vizago could have had all those pigs and made money. And I like how Zeb's like, I'm gonna use my useful face. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. I loved a lot of the comedy in this episode. Again, like just before they get into Vizago's ship and he takes them uh, across the Imperial checkpoint or whatever to get onto Lothal because it's like locked down. Um, just Callus uh, and Rex, their their exchange there was really unique, really funny. And I was kind of impressed that, you know, when Rex was like kind of like out of the captain seat, it's me. And Callus like presented an argument and Rex was just like, said like, yeah. no, like, and then Callus was made. just... Your point's yeah, made. Yeah, that's it. So who, that's it. Who, who was Hera talking to? Who did she put in charge? I'm pretty Probably sure she Rex. put Rex. You think? I mean, Hot Callus is hot, but um, he like he wasn't really effective with those starter destroyers. So I really yeah. respected his maturity though in that situation where he was just like, "You're right." Like you got <laughs> me, you right got out me. of the captain. He got me. He's like, "I'm out of the captain's chair." He's like, "Anyway, I got a question. I got my blind Kanan joke of the week." Why would Ezra ask Kanan what they've done to Lothal? Because he's distraught and he wants his comfort of his teacher, I'm pretty sure. But Kanan can't see anything. Well, he, he can sense know. it. Yeah, he senses it. He feels ah, come it. Come on, you're way out in orbit. You can't sense that. If Darth Vader can't sense Kenobi in orbit on Tatooine, then Kanan can't oh. sense the surface of Lothal. Come on now. Let's let's not jump uh, the shark. There's no okay, shark jumping left in the show. Point. I don't know. Like they've really, if if that's one problem you have with this show, with him being blind, then get out of here. Because it to to me, his blindness has enhanced his Jedi ability. Well, sure, but it doesn't. It's not. He's he, if he can sense what's happening on on the planet's surface from way out there. Come on, like he's he's nearing omnipotence. Okay, time out, time out. Okay, uh, if you guys keep this up, I'm gonna need to get popcorn. Just just sit down and listen. <laughs> To your uh, just ramblings about whether or not Kanan can sense he, and feel. He, he could probably and sense see. and feel those around him at least in the least. He could feel him and Ezra have a really he has a connection with everyone of the ghost crew, especially Hera and Ezra in the least. Well, of course, of course, he can sense all that from the people around him. I'm talking about like you're you're still like hundreds of kilometers above the surface. Come on now. Yeah, but Vader's the dark side. Come on, he. He could sense, but he doesn't have compassion for Obi-Wan anymore. So how can he sense that 
compassion from Obi-Wan from Tatooine. Well, he eventually sensed it I- later. I'm taking Corey's side. You're welcome, drunk uncle. <laughs> I think it's more like just this, the matter that Kanan, Kanan kind of, he's not stupid. He can kind of ascertain what's going on. Like, Lothal's doesn't look great. It looks different than what he, you know, like, just as we're kind of reaching out to him, really. Well, I know. He's, he's looking for, for some comfort from his master. That's why I called it Blind Kanan Joke of the Week. Well, it's not a joke. It's not a joke at all. <laughs> you two are very sensitive tonight. Well, yes. Ezra can't be yes, dark and Kanan senses everything. Come on, man. This is Star Wars. Anything's possible, man. Anything's possible. It's what That's what life has taught me with, with Star Wars. So just don't get me started. Or I might have to hate on you more. I'm still upset with you with that poll, so... Oh, I've, well, I, you, you might not like, like my next one, then. <laughs> it, uh, excuse me? <laughs> Did I hear that right? TBD. Hey, so Hera... Is, is Hera a, a Sabine and Ezra shipper? Because she keeps putting them together. <laughs> yes! The yes. mission keeps going off the rails a little bit, so, you know... But she keeps sticking them together. And I'm just wondering, like, is, is Hera waiting for this to happen, too? Yes, no, please. I think, dude, like, come on, get real. Harris, <laughs> Harris sees them like they're a great team together. Like they're they're an amazing duo together. I'm like, man, look at what they did in this episode. Like, as they mature, as they come into their own, everything that Sabine's been through recently is and has Ezra as well in the past couple seasons. Like, they're really coming into their own now, and they can be a really powerful, effective duo, man. And they they took charge in that mission. Like, they took a huge risk. But Sabine took the huge risk. Yeah, she silly. got greedy. She's... She got greedy twice in these two episodes, and it almost cost them. Yeah, she's the one who made the critical mistakes. I think this time, but I like her initiative for the rebellion. She's thinking about for the rebellion. Oh yeah, I mean, as... she made she made some ambitious swipes, and luckily it didn't cost them, but it it damn well nearly did. And the interaction, the first real interaction between Ezra and Thrawn. Oh, I have to breathe because this is so funny. Like, well, hi. Yeah. That Fascinating. Was, yeah, that was, that was hysterical. Yeah, I had this. I, was, I have that in my notes as well because he's just standing there like really absolutely like honestly fascinated by Ezra Bridger. Like <laughs> Ezra Bridger was kicking ass and taking names in that scene. Like for Thrawn to like study someone's culture and be like, wow, like this kid is fighting like a rabid animal for his planet and his people, man. Like, dude, Ezra was just killing it in that scene. Like, like just really taking cover and like just, just getting by on the skin of his teeth, you know? It was well, you know awesome, what? I, I think that was probably the, the poorest example of Stormtrooper aim I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. Like they're like six feet away from him and still missing. <laughs> it's like, you know, on, I, can, guys. I can easily get like an arrow into someone at that range it's so easy sorry my archer side's talking and then sabine you know she's just you know amused she's watching ezra get shot at and then she finally decides did you two just jump all the way into flight of the defender yes can we just reel this back to the occupation oh come on they're all connected just (laughs) go with the flow don't ruin it (laughs) all right they're all well, you know, from the occupation, it mentions Flight of the Defender, and then boom. And What's then the Ojo. Oh, Wait, sorry. Ojo? Oh, oh, yeah, so mad. I was so mad. I was like, what? You kill Ojo? Oh, 
I would have, I would have, I would have liked to have seen something more happen in that scene where you know, uh, what's his name? That uh, pilot dude. What's his name? Oh, um, yeah. Um, Scaris. Oh, uh, no, I know. No, who you're talking Baron Valenruder. Yeah, like if he was tending bar and telling Ezra this, like maybe a bottle could have like broken in the background or something. You know what I mean? Like to represent Ezra's anger. Because yeah, he was quite Sabine, upset. Sabine's, you know, trying to keep him grounded from not getting caught or getting into trouble, right? So, like, you can see his fist curl, and Sabine's like, let's go. And grabs his, his arm, let's go. But one thing I did notice, I want to <laughs> I've been talking lately about, like, chopper language. <laughs> and I swear to God, I think he swore again in this episode. <laughs> You look if, ridiculous. You know, when, because there's one episode, I'll shoot, I'll send you a clip one time, ma'am. He definitely swears in one of the episodes. And mm. he definitely swears in uh, Super Imperial Commandos back in season three. He definitely swears. You know, I'll, I'll send you a clip of one thing, but when he's, when they're going through the tunnels and they see that Ryder uh, Saudi has left Sabine's Phoenix symbol behind as a trail for them to follow and get out, right? Chopper is the one who sees it first, and I swear to God, he says "WTF." Say it, but he looks at it and he's like, "He's like, mm, mm, mm. <laughs> like um, I swear to God, that's the way I interpret it." But next time you watch it, uh, go for it. Look at it that from that yeah. perspective. It's Chopper, oh my goodness! You know, I'm gonna miss that droid a lot because he's just got that sense of humor that we haven't seen really. Even AP Five has has that sense of humor too. Where we haven't really seen it in other droids. Yeah. Where where is AP five, man? I know, right? Well, I, I think he's a case of you know, they, they don't have a lot of time and so certain people are just gonna have to get pushed to the background. Unfortunately, oh. I mean tough 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 calls have to get made. And that that's, yeah, that's gonna hurt Steve and Stannon. That's gonna hurt him. How oh, dare he, you? He does no. like twenty five voices every episode. Yeah, but I, it's I, just so I'm busy. trying to help him out here. I'm trying to help him with his U.S. Starlight and hashtag help kids. Don't 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 throw him under the bus. We need we need one more AP five moment. There's just so much inventory. There's so much inventory on Yavin four. I mean, He's content. Yes. <laughs> yes. Dave Filoni would be the first guy to tell you, and it's something he learned from George Lucas that you you've got so much to tell. You there's so much you want to say, but you only have so much place to say it. You can't you can't fit ten pounds of story in a five pound bag, so certain things are going to get left behind. I here's something else that doesn't make sense. I'd like to see you uh, explain your way out of this one. So we we see in the scene right before uh, Sabine and Ezra head into Old Joe's, a couple stormtroopers grab a couple citizens. And say, hey, you're out past curfew. Let's see some ID. Nobody asked Ezra and Sabine for to tell them that. You know, nobody stopped them to say, hey guys, it's past curfew. Let's see some ID. Okay, but the stormtrooper then later talked to Chopper about the two. Okay, did you not catch that? Oh, I saw that, but nobody down the bar was like, "Hey, it's it, curfew. It's done. You see anybody here? Like we're all Imperials. Go home." Instead, uh, Professor von Buren, Martin van Nostrand, <laughs> whatever his name is, is ready to serve them up hey. some drinks. Hey, he looks pretty darn sharp in that jacket. And he's aged a bit since the last time we've seen him, which she we only saw him in season one and that short between Ezra and and Baron. And I found that so funny. 
that he didn't notice Ezra, but Ezra noticed him. Yeah, for sure. You look familiar. Now he's slinging drinks. Yeah. That's a, that's a demotion. It's funny. But again, he didn't like, ask, nobody, nobody... He didn't ask for ID either. Exactly. No ID for, for their age. No ID because it's past curfew. That ah, just kind of just goes by it's the way. It's Star Wars. It's Star Wars. Please. They're Imperial. So bad guys. So like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, okay. Because, you know, Imperials are, are, are lax with the rules. Anyway, moving on. Um, there's, what I, I think the thing I like the most about this is that they really showed the proper way within a Star Wars framework of how to show a planet under occupation. You know, think back yes. to the occupation of Naboo. Oh, yeah. There was nothing that there. Was... That didn't look well, like... Well, no, it... it was separatist. They, they were, you know, restrained. Sidious wanted to keep himself, you know, uh, secret. But still, I mean, it, you never got the sense that there was any sort of a, oppression or, you know, this, this uh, seal Bibble comes out and says, oh, death toll, death toll is catastrophic and... I, you didn't see anybody suffering. Not you know. There's no, no propaganda going on in, in in Naboo. Like just it looked like the same place before and after, before, during, and after. But this on Lothal is well done. The transition yeah. from uh, before full on occupation to now, it's just so stark. And, and you know, I was thinking about how Ezra was so vulnerable with his emotions, and I think Sabine caught on to that not because his emotions were invulnerable i think because she sees the state of how lothal's in because now it it looks just like sindari if you think about it without the the cone formation of the rocks and lothal and now it's just complete you know wasteland it's plain it's burnt to a crisp like i'm pretty sure if you took those two planets they would look identical yeah, and this is the Empire's MO now. Just strip and, planets. And, oh, what's that planet? Uh, Raeda in the Ahsoka novel. Mm-hmm. A total wasteland. Yeah. It, it is It is shocking to see not only, well, for the viewer, like you guys said, like for us too, like we, Lothal, almost the whole first season almost took place on Lothal, right? Like we were back and forth and throughout the whole series, we we're kind of back and forth and the gradual uh, occupation growing, but. This time, like you said, Kyle, like it's full-on occupation. Like you see the propaganda everywhere. Like I don't know, it's, it it did kind of hit in the feels. Like and it's definitely like M said, left our our main hero extremely vulnerable, which is a, a reason why I believe Hera pairs the two together because Sabine kind of can ground him. You know what I mean? She like you said earlier, M like he's getting upset over old Joe and. She kind of is like she sees that, and she kind of is like she's the one that, you know, she's like his Betty to the Hulk kind of. Yeah, which I is like, yeah, yeah. That that does play well together, and when you think about you know, Sabine, how she was getting a little bit unhinged about what was going on on her planet. Yeah, he was there for. Her. Yeah. And how they you, you see the relationship keeps building and building and building. It keeps getting better, better, and better. So. I hope, I uh, uh, high hopes for that. You have high yes. hopes, but uh, I think uh, some of the best relationships are the ones that never happen. You know um, what I mean? The the ones that we'll, could have. We'll just see it in canon, okay? We'll just see it in canon. For that one time, maybe it's it's almost like a Ro- Romeo and Juliet thing at this point. Like, you know, you're gonna Don't want it just not meant to be. 
exactly. It's like meant to be, but don't not meant dare. to be. You know? Don't you dare. All right. So let's wrap up the occupation here. So I think one of the great things that, that Dave Filoni did here was showing sort of like that, um, the sneaking around enemy territory thing. Like it just, if you've ever read like spy novels, like something like the spy who came in from the cold, like John Lecaray type stuff. I got a lot of that kind of imagery from this episode. And I, I really love that. But overall, I, I, I think that what, what really props this episode up is Ezra's reaction to seeing what's happening in his, in his home world. Yeah. Like yeah. his, his resolve by the end of the episode, like at a point he was beaten down and he r- rose back up by the end. But yeah, definitely his, his maturity level, uh, and his resolve for me was a big part of this episode. And like you said, Kyle, too, like I almost felt uh, I took it in a bit of a different way. Like when I watched it, I, was, I almost felt in a Halloweeny. It felt fallish on Lothal in that episode and the way they were walking around at night and stuff. Uh, I don't know, like kind of got me like on edge a bit, like the creeping around. And that cat, that loth cat chewing that piece of garbage. <laughs> Yeah, I'm being um, serious. Yeah, I, I, well, more, more on Lothcats. Like, I, I got something to say. Oh, I love those things. I hope that they make more. I want them to make the kind that we saw in Flight of the Defender. They're just so cute. Yeah, they're awesome. Yeah, hey, they did, are pretty cool. Did they, you I'm guys, sold on them. Did you guys feel like this episode was sort of maybe a, a grown-up version of Empire Day? With you know, the stakes a little bit more raised, running around through the sewer systems and these underground piping systems, stuff like that. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, and then and then with the play of the defender, it was like a, a grown up um, season one episode three, uh, fight or flight, or was it? Yeah, it was three. Yeah, is that the, the one, one with where, where... Uh, Gal Travis? Well, Gal Travis was in Empire Day. He was in it. Well, he was. In a few episodes, but yeah, Empire Day was one that really featured Gal Travis. And uh, M, you were saying um, fight or flight. That was the one where Ezra and Zeb steal the, the yeah. TIE fighter, right? Just the TIE fighter. And now we see Sabine and Ezra steal a TIE defender. They've, uh, needless to say, they've, uh, um, you know, up their um, their ballpark. Yeah, yeah, they've revisited episodes. I don't want to say they've rehashed episodes but they kind of revisit the same places same factory same planet same sewer systems kind of thing but the stakes are noticeably higher as as i said um this is what uh how a rebellion starts small with a few people leading it absolutely that's powerful that's super powerful and it's them man it's the ghost crew man that's why there's this show about them all right, let's jump ahead into into the flight of the defender. I know we've kind of been skipping around, but now really into flight of the defender. Um, all right, Em, I'll give it to you this time. What were your <laughs> really quick first initial thoughts? Uh, just blown away, completely blown away. The, there was enough humor and there was enough high stakes. There was the mystical f- boundaries of the force and what Lothal is capable of. And the animals are interconnected with the planet. I, I'm also, um, I was also reading up on some articles on how an animal can sense whether or not you are bad or a good person. And I think they knew that the Empire was bad from the start. 
And now since they have Ezra there, they are willing to push back. Well, isn't it odd? These Lothcats understand complex English sentences now. They need a diversion. I thought, and this this will sound like I'm banging on the episode, and I'm really not. But there's there was a few things in these two episodes where I'm like, eh, really? Like the Lothcats understanding that they uh, Sabine and Ezra need a diversion. So off go the Lothcats to create a diversion. <laughs> I think so cute though. I think it's oh the white Lothcat though that understands. He seems to be a little more sentient than the others. What was the light white Lothcat there? I think it was just two. Of the regular striped ones. It was just regular leopard uh, printed ones. And I can't not... believe it was Dave and and um, Steve voicing those troopers. And I yeah. couldn't believe they shot at those cats. <laughs> I really, shame on them both. You don't, you don't shoot at... I know that it was only playful and to see if they fly. Well, is, is that, that's one of the things. Like they, they need certain things to happen. So let's make let's have the Lothcats be that lever to make these things happen. So for two, two stormtroopers to wander way off base, like, over two cats, over it two was cats, silly, like, but... it, it's stupid. It is. It's honestly stupid. If you're gonna be, if we're gonna break down an episode, we got to look at that and go, that's dumb. But yeah, whatever. Especially the tide defender at stake. That was probably the the yeah. You get that's the weirdest part of the episode, but. The Lothcats understanding Ezra, that's not that much of a stretch for me. Like, I feel like he has a connection to a lot of animals, but especially these being of his home planet and stuff. Like, like I get you, like, they don't, it's hard to imagine they can understand English word for word, but, like, to get a sense of, I don't know. What like, Ezra needs. What Ezra needs, Yeah, the animals will do it. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. I guess it's, it's just your, your tolerance for that type of thing is higher than mine. Like, I, I, I. Certain, like he's certain such a things. pessimist. No, I just like I need some things he's to make a, a little more sense. No, he's yeah, like he is a bit of a pessimist, but at the same time, he's he's a I stickler know. for th- he's a stickler for things that need to, like you said, he wants things to really make sense and fall into what they've already written themselves into, stuff like that. Like things need no, to I just, I, I be just cohesive. Like, I'm not I'm not a huge fan of uh, because reasons. We we need things to happen ha- to happen quickly, so the Lothcats now understanding English. Like, ah, come on. Well, I just think we know from Ezra's background that he has enough of a connection with animals that, and again, it yeah. being his own planet, that I, I can roll with it from that regard. But All right, I mean, any- again, like, in, in the end, I'll, I'll, I'll jump to the end. My, I, I gave this episode, like, a, a solid eight and a half on ten. So I'm, I'm not, it's not like I'm saying this episode was awful. It was really good, but. Of course, yeah. Like, I know what you mean. It's just a small little nitpick. But I'm, I'm on the same page as them here in the sense that, oh, man, this was Star Wars- when you really think of Star Wars, this had it for me, like, right from the get-go, man. Again, like, just the, the mysticism behind this episode. And, like, what they did in this episode, too, is really relevant. Like, man, this this crew is amazing. And, I don't know, man, this, this episode really... It really uh, brought out some much-needed emotion to see how much, you know, even Kanan trying to kiss Hera you know we really need to see those emotions come out but they still haven't they were cut off we, we're we still there's still no payout for that we keep yeah, we and there's gonna be another cut and... off just letting you know there's gonna be another cut off with well I've I've spoiled myself a bit watching some expo footage so I'm sure there'll be a, a payout moment but 
it's something that's not meant oh, to last. Oh, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure they'll kiss before that uh, or or during mid season finale because remember before Tina that... dies, right? No, listen, just drunk uncle. Shush. <laughs> anyway, um, like the mid season, or sorry, during the mid season, maybe. But that one trailer is meant for just that first half of of yeah, there's the first the, half. All, so the, the back half of the season we haven't seen squat yet. So you know what? And I, we still really don't know what we're in for. I oh, find no. that very interesting too, man. Because like from what we got in the trailers, I was like. Man, this has to like lead her right up until the end with the wolves and all that stuff. But I I said this to myself last night too. It's like everything we've seen in both trailers really seem to lead into these episodes, uh, apart from the X wings. Well, yeah, that, that's what we you know, Corey, when you and I first saw the trailer way back when, that's that's one of the things we discussed. Like this is probably the first five, six, seven episodes, like the first half season. Like, the, and I think they followed that template for season three. Like we the trailer we got really only summed up a few episodes like the, the back half of the stuff that was untouched until we got like the mid-season trailer which is going to be i mean we're going to get that what in february or so maybe march that's going to be, be heavy. lucky um well you see i think we get two more episodes next week and then we get one more for that week and then we're on break and that's going to be quite a wait that's going to be torture at its finest if you thought eight months waiting for season four was hard, try waiting two months waiting for we're so close to the ending. We're so well, close. Well, yeah, but we got this thing called The Last Jedi in between to keep us busy. <laughs> but, 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 but there's no DVD. You can't take it home. <laughs> you could just keep going back to the theater. Yeah, and spend, what, $100? Keep on going in? Because where I am, it costs $8, so... Just keep keep, keep on sneaking in there. No, I'm not going to relive my father's moments. No. (laughs) What about... uh, I want want to ask you guys something about this episode. Who was in charge of... in this little band when they first get to... you know, they're spying on the TIE Defender and whatnot. Who's in charge out of the four of them? There's Ryder, there's Zeb, there's Sabine, and there's Ezra. I don't think there's a leader. Well, that's, that's I think they're just say. a cohesive unit. I mean, Hera was the leader, even though she wasn't there. Remember, she said, come back to Rebel Base when Nightfall hits. Well, I, I have to I, I have to say two things. I think it's really Ezra because, first of all, Hera communicates directly with him. And it's kind of odd. She calls him Spectre 6. He signs off as Phoenix 6, which I found kind of odd. Um that was but, odd. I found that odd, too. And it's just pretty much the one making the final call when Sabine puts forth her plan of saying, hey, we need to get the Navi computer out of this thing. Ezra's the one that says, yes, we're doing it. And everyone else kind of says, okay, we, we don't have well, a choice at this point. I'm, I, I don't know if Sabine officially has a rank within the Rebellion, whereas Ezra does. I don't know if, if Zeb officially has a rank within the Rebellion. Ezra does. And and Ryder is kind of their tour guide. I mean, he can interject and object or recommend a different course of action. But ultimately, I think you're right, Corey. I think I think Ezra is the boss. Amazing. He even tells enough. him at one point, too, to, to take off. Um, Zeb is a security officer, guys. Don't count that out. Yeah, it's, though... it's, it's hard to say. I mean, yeah, I think Ezra, uh, you know, by rank is the boss, but 
and you said it, they're kind of a, a group. They kind of make yeah. group decisions and somebody like Ezra has to make the final call. So yeah, Sabine comes yeah, up with this Zeb crazy idea. So, Zeb was so upset with himself when he's like, I knew that they'd pull a stunt like this. And then Kanan's trying to reassure him. It's, it's not your fault, Zeb. It's not your fault. Well, yeah, they know by now that Ezra and Sabine are, are going to, especially Ezra is going to go off and do his own thing. Well, yeah, he's all that age. And, and, um, back in season three, Dave had to cut out that one scene where they were talking about how Sabine and Ezra have now grown up and they're going to make their own choices. The that, kids yeah, have absolutely kids need to leave the nest sometimes to, you know, find out who they are and what they need to do with their own lives. This is true. So, so what do we make of this tie defender? This is, this is sort of the tie defender elite, right? As they were calling it maybe even a more upgraded version than the one we've seen before. Like this thing is Oh no, loaded. it's definitely, it's definitely the second version that I was watching rebels recon. And they mentioned that it's a second, uh, better version. And Oh my goodness. It, you know what? If they didn't pour so much money into that death star, they got a point that if they put more money into the tie defenders, they would have won that war. Cause you know how they're fa- traveling at fast speeds. They they have upgraded shields, upgraded weaponry, Navi computer, hyperdrive. So the only problem is they have, yes, I mean, this was a, an amazing piece of equipment, but the pilots are all crap. Oh, yeah, except Scaris. I will give credit to Scaris. He is a good pilot. They just, yeah, they, they, I mean, even if they had churned out tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of TIE defenders, maybe they would have won, but... I don't think they would have taken full advantage of the the you know the the, the skill set of the Tie Defender because there's the, the pilots that the Empire has at its disposal they're just, they're just too dumb. <laughs> they're just not good enough. Uh, and I love how you know when Ezra is flying the way he is and Thrawn's monitoring that he I got to give him respect to the fact that he knows how good Hera is. Well, it it took it took him a while to figure it out, right? Like he figured, well, no, no, that's not that's not Hera flying because they, our Tie Fighters would have been shot down by now. Then he he said it was he he figured it was Ezra, right? But it took him a while to figure out that it was probably Sabine because she yeah. di- she dis uh, she disabled the the kill switch too quickly, or no, the uh, the the tracking beacon. Transponder. Yeah, the transponder. She she diffused that way too quickly, and then. That's what tipped Thrawn off to say, nope, that's the Mandalorian. Activate kill switch. Oh, no. That's the first time we hear Sabine, like, really lose it, kind of, like, in a situation like that. No, 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 no. She, she realized she was too efficient. Yeah. So, okay, let's back up two seconds here. Why was, you know, when, when Sabine and Ezra took off with the TIE Defender, why would Thrawn stand there shooting his little tiny pistol pistol at it? <laughs> Like what do you what do you think you're gonna do? I thought he's just you know he's it's it's Thrawn being Thrawn being like oh, I'm a like, badass let's just let's just no shoot. like I thought he was gonna shoot this one piece of the ship that's like gonna make Vulnerable. it yeah like that was pretty silly I mean here they are tearing up this little uh, flight deck shooting up all the Tie Fighters and Thrawn just standing there pew 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 like dude move <laughs> uh, Scaris yelled at him. Grand Admiral, move! Yeah, yeah, you're right. I love that they made Scaris almost a direct copy of a Viper from from Top Gun. 
I love that. And that may have gone way over your head. I don't know. Um, the the <laughs> movie sound. It's a movie that came out like twelve really years does. before you were even born. So yeah, uh, I know, but I have watched some eighties and nineties films. Those ancient relics, right? Yeah, but you know what? You gotta respect the old movies because without the old movies, they, they wouldn't have been inspiration for the current directors of the really nice movies well, these days. Exactly. I was just about to say, go back and watch Top Gun. And tell me they didn't take any inspiration from Top Gun for this episode. In, okay. In, in particular, uh, there's a you know the, the Tide Defender, how it sort of stops in midair, and the two um, Tide interceptors hard breaks. He's a maverick, yeah, my, total wild card. Well, that, that's my like, heart. The, the Mig Fighter, he... the Mig Fighter does that in Top Gun, and that's when okay, Maverick goes. Well, like... I'll, have, I'll have to give it a watch. But you know, even when he dropped, like he pulled off. Um, you know, like he's flying, and then all of a sudden, boom! He doesn't fly; he just falls back and lets the other tie—they're um, not tie fighters; they're they're ties, tie tie interceptors. interceptors. Yeah, interceptors. And I was like, "Whoa!" And I was thinking of the time I was on a roller coaster, and I remember some of the time where you know you're going up the roller coaster and you're like. Oh, breathe, breathe, breathe. That's kind of how I felt. Yeah, that was you no, know, that was a great sequence. I mean, they're getting really good with these chase sequences. Last week with the ghost uh, in in the foggy canyons of Jalindi uh, mm. Base or whatever it was called. Jalindi, Dil- yeah. Whatever it was called, and this week here on on Lothal, they're getting really good with this stuff, and it's it's it never gets old. No. Um, but this this is where things get really good in this episode, or mystical, as you know, Corey seems to be obsessed. Yes, with. I'm. Are you kidding? I'm obsessed with it. I love this mystery. <laughs> I love that little discussion that we had about. Well, I, we won't get into that yet. We'll, we'll the, keep it under. The wraps. white loth cat has been sort of hanging around. The white wolf has been sort of pe- popping up here and there. Is it is it real or is it just a vision that Ezra was having? We weren't sure up until that point. But now we know. Ezra's this coming. white loth cat is so very vital in, in the most important ways of Ezra's force guidance. He comes up at the most important times, like his parents' death, and now this. So, it's been a it's been a theme since the beginning of this show. Like Dave Filoni's been saying it for so long. Follow the white loth cat. You know, it's it's awesome. It's like an Alice in Wonderland kind of. Thing yeah, for me. white rabbit. Yeah, white that's, rabbit. That's probably exactly what it is. And that leads us right super up cool. to to the the actual reveal. The, well, the up close reveal anyway of of the Loth Wolf. Now, Corey, I know oh, you, you've just been heart dying dropped. for this. Yeah, I want to hear Corey's. I've got I've got a couple things to say, but I want to hear Corey's side first. I don't know. There's just so much going on. I don't know what to make of this Loth Wolf. Uh, I found it kind of odd that they said they hadn't been on Lothal for like 100 years. That's kind of new. Uh, I like that Ezra was the only one who's seen him so far or her. Uh, we definitely get the sense that they're powerful, om- omnipotent kind of beings, kind of like the way that it put Sabine to sleep, the way it's, it's kind of all-knowing. Uh it's it's definitely connected to Lothal and connected deeply to Ezra. So I really still – I don't know what's really going on there. But 
a little bit of research like into like mythology and white wolves uh, suggested something along the lines of the uh, white wolves exist in both the physical and spiritual realms and help bridge the gap between the two. Bridger, like, there's something going on there, man. Well, uh, definitely. I mean, the fact that uh, Ezra can see this thing, but nobody else can. You know, Ezra maybe has this ability to see across different planes of existence. Who knows? Uh, this is getting It's getting really weird up in here, though. Well, I'm starting to think maybe the wolves let themselves be known to other people because if you saw today the Kindred, I think it was Kindred um, clip, everyone noticed this time the white loth wolves. So I think they, they're they extremely powerful creatures within Lothal, but now that begs me to wonder. Um, so Ezra and Sabine had this little conversation about him spotting the Lothwolf, but then she was talking about the K paintings. How does she know about them? So something tells me Ezra's talked to her about his culture and what wolves represent. The episode where they go to the temples, they're they're there. Yeah. So he definitely probably talked to her about it. Um and and then that one little sentence that that wolf said, Doom. Oh, okay, wait. keep it together. I, did did you, what did you, what did you think of that? Because uh, Kyle had asked me about that this morning and I had watched it at like midnight last night and I just thought it was kind of like this message where it was, you know, whatever. And then he was like, think about it, man. Oh, I've been thinking about it. All right. Doom, doom. Well, I, I oh expected, my God. Like I expected Corey to text me and be like, oh, dude, I can't believe the, I can't believe the wolf said doom. Oh my God. What does that mean? Instead, of, this morning, I'm like, did you even watch it? And he's like, yeah. I mean, do you know what he said? And uh, You were very evasive this morning. Well, yeah. you give, give a man some space to think. You didn't, don't well, let that beautiful I, mind get it, you know. Well, it's like, again, I, I saw it at midnight. And, you know, like, whatever. Like, I was planning on watching it again today, but I might not have got another chance. And I ended up going on YouTube after and watching it right away. But what, what does it mean to you, Em? Or what can it suggest? Oh, please say, Kanan. Maybe some. I, I actually, I had this thought where, um, you know, there, Kanan's Dilapa Balaba, I think her name was, right? Yeah. Maybe she's got something to do with those wolves, and then I think as wolves, like a way, they're they're like warriors almost. So what if the wolves were connected in a way where? They were fallen knights and warriors. And I was also thinking about Ezra's parents and how they were warriors with their voice. They weren't physically warriors, but they fought the Empire in a way, you know, the best that they could. So what if they have something to do with the wolves, too? We all know, I think, definitely Ahsoka is connected to this. In, in an indirect way, she definitely is connected to this. But I think... It, there is more to this mystery, and this is what I really love. I, I mean, we, I guess this, besides Ezra's parents and Ahsoka's mystery, and then Lothal's, what does the Empire want with Lothal's mystery? This is like the real mystery where it's really just, it's grasping us, and we want answers, but we can only get so much at one time. Well, no, no doubt. Um, one of the things that you had to be careful of when watching this, this this scene play out 
and the the loth wolf says, you know, um, what did what did Ezra ask the wolf? Why did you save us? Why did you help us? Yep. And it says doom. But it could be that's it. it could be D O O M in well, the sense I, that you I, know. Well, that's it because I think that's what most people interpret. If you if you don't if you just listen to it and it says doom, like oh you're trying to save us from doom, okay. But I always like I, I watched we watch TV by default with subtitles on because the kids are always screaming their guts out and we can never hear what's going on. So my first exposure to it was hearing Doom, but seeing the, the subtitle D U M E. Oh, bro, that's awesome! So it's confirmed then. Yeah. Yes. If you put subtitles on, it's D U M E. Yes, it is. So what I mean, the only thing going through my head, and I was discussing with a pal. Uh, through DMs, the only thing in my head is is it, the word could be a, uh, almost like a double entendre, where it's doom for doom. But it makes like t- that in itself as as the answer to Ezra's question doesn't quite make sense unless the wolf was not was not answering his question, but just telling him something else entirely. Mm. I don't I don't know how this is going to play out, but I you know maybe Ezra tells Kane at some point that. The, Lothal keeps saying, keeps telling me, Doom. Does that mean anything to you, Kanan? Maybe it ends up being like a wedge between the two where maybe Ezra learns of Kanan's real identity at some point. And... Hey, you drew it in the sand with me. D-U-M-E. Kind of odd, no? Uh, we're going to see more wolves anyway, but it's kind of weird how that wolf also just stood there watching them walk away. What if... What if... Some like someone or something is watching through the wolf's eyes, and, and looking. And the wolf looked proud too. The wolf looks like it knows what's going on. Oh, definitely. definitely looks like, all knowing. Yeah, I mean, but beyond what's going on in the moment, it looks almost as if it knows what's going going to happen. Yeah, which makes it I almost agree with you. which puts it in line with a with a Bendu type thing. Yep. Well, Dave did say it was somewhat like a Bendu, right? So, oh man, there's so much exciting things coming on, and I'm really excited about next week. I mean, I always keep saying that until, of course, the ending. I don't want the ending to come, but but like next week, I think we're going to get more answers when it comes to the, these wolves. Oh yeah, this, yeah, we saw the preview uh, where Ezra kind of wanders into their lair, right? We we see that and we see the dark side like it almost looked like dark side eyes on three wolves. And then there's a black wolf. What if and what if the wolves are um drawn to Ezra? Because if it ha- if they haven't really seen it in a hundred years, it was before even, you know, the Empire presence. So what if Ezra's not per se the chosen one, but the one to actually liberate Lothal? That would make a nice story for him. That that probably makes a whole lot of sense. Oh well, yeah, in, I think that's the, my, the plan for this. My infigment of imagination. I hope that he walks down the streets of Lothal. Everyone just calls him the Wolf of Lothal. Wolf of Lothal. Wouldn't that be so? Just, just, like, just pick and picture it. Or, so... or imagine this, Em. They, they'll always remember him as the Wolf of Lothal. I know. Yes. Thank you. Someone's helping my vision. Yeah, but like I'm, I'm talking about like once he's no longer with well, us. Well, well, yes, but you know, <laughs> you know, legends never die. Exactly, and definitely, like that's what I, I told you guys. This, this is a bit of a 
a bomb I, I laid on you guys Friday night, but I was saying that the, the cave paintings and all that stuff, like, if you really look at them, they seriously, like, it looks spelled out for you that they're constellations in the stars. Like, to me, yeah. like, that's what it really looks oh. like. So, yeah, it almost could be brought, really beautiful at that point. You tears to my eyes. You brought tears to my eyes. Like, yeah, you're you're going to see constellation Lothwolf Ezra. <sighs> Like him sitting on a wolf and holding his lightsaber in the in the constellation. That would be so <laughs> epic. As as Sabine sheds a tear. <laughs> oh, don't you dare! My love. <laughs> hey, so did, did if Sabine can't see the the Loth wolf, why did it put her to sleep? I think it can see her. I just think that the, the no, fact he can that see her. He, can she see him? I think she can see him as well. But the fact that he. Breathe, like breathed on her like that like it just kind of was like a memory wipe kind of you know like she's like i don't know what happened from here to here but i'm here now well how do you I, do I buy that, that. I, I buy that but wasn't there like at, at the end when everybody was sort of standing there looking and, they, and there's the wolf in the background oh wait you guys can't see the wolf well it wasn't there no it's because ezra turned his it's like he pulled a batman the wolf like you turned around for a second like wait wait don't you oh sneaky bugger he's gone it was mysterious, granted, but I mean, it was definitely there in physical form. All right, guys, let's let's bring this to a close. But I, before we do, I wanted to uh, what what do we what do we make of Thrawn's plan here? I mean, there's there's no we've had. A... I want to know what like remember Minister Tua. Oh, poor Macath Tua, who can forget? Uh, she was going to tell the reason why the Empire confiscated Lothal. We never got that answer, and I don't think it's because the Jedi temples. There's got to be some reason why they want Lothal so bad. And what if it's a force aspect of things? I've seen that. I don't think the Empire knows anything about that, and I think that's going to be the eventual case for Ezra and Kanan to discover. Like, there's a lot more going on Lothal that they need to save and or protect. But yeah, I think Thrawn's perspective here is... Just he's all about the tide defender, and like he was super impressed with it. Like he totally bashed on Ezra, like you said earlier, and saying that Ezra was such a shitty pilot because it was Hera. Everyone would be dead ten minutes ago. But the the fact that he did so well against three different pilots in interceptors, not even regular ties. Uh, this ship is amazing, and I, I'm gonna think I'm gonna give myself half points here because Kyle asked me for predictions based on the trailer on the tumbling saber. And what I was under the impression is what they were going to do is they were going to steal the entire ship, which they did, but they ended up – the kill switch went off. But they got the information necessary for them to not necessarily reverse engineer the ship, ship but to build and or create a response to it, hence the, the X-Wing. Like the How information... did the X-Wings come into play though, right? Well, I think it's a response to the TIE Defender. Like they're going to get the uh, these – well, they're getting the information the already but... exist. Just the rebellion doesn't have it yet. Well, I think they they might be able to get upgrade these things with the specs that they're gonna bring back from what Ezra uh, from what Sabine and Ezra stole. They're gonna be able to look at this thing and say, "Holy crap! This is what we need to to take a ship of this magnitude down." That's very like, possible. That is that is certainly still on the on the table of, of possibilities. But at least they did that. They stole the ship and they took the the information regarding it, and it's going back to the rebellion. So that was at least half marks there. They didn't take the whole ship. They did their damnedest, though, Corey. They did their damnedest. Damn it. 
Yeah, Ezra landing on that one wing was pretty special. All right, so again, back on back on Thrawn's, because we don't know what he's doing here. I mean, we know he's he's sort of all about his his tie factory, but he's been very quiet so far. Well, we're six epi- six episodes in, and there's not been a whole lot of Thrawn. So what, what I mean, what is he up to? Is is there nothing left to do with Thrawn other than let him play out the, his tie defender program, or is he cooking up something bigger? He's sending Rook in. Yeah, Rook is coming back next week. And then Vader's going to be back in the second half of the season? Don't you dare. Because I know what that means if Vader comes back. Don't you dare. You know what? I'm tired of hearing Vader coming back. Seriously. <laughs> I don't think he is. I, I I don't. But you know what? Dave also said that he, he's kind of let Vader play his role. Like uh, the Inquisitor season one. Vader season two and Thrawn now season three and four. Yeah, Vader has no place in this. But we've heard Filoni say that there's a big baddie surprise. We talked about it last week. No? Yeah, yeah. Someone lurk. Maybe he. Well, he was coy. Like he, like he's always coy. There may be somebody lurking in the shadows, kind of thing. And I. But what I'm, kind of who? I just. I don't know. We kind of know it's not Vader. We know it's not Fosk. So who? I say it's Vader still. I'm still convinced the fact that that book's coming out from uh, Timothy Zahn with Thrawn and Vader alliances. I'm pretty sure we can touch upon Vader here. I, well, obviously he's he's yeah he's obviously a choice. I just I don't like the the choice of words. I mean I don't want I don't expect Dave Filoni to be always 100% accurate with his choice of words, but Vader doesn't hide. He's not a skulker no. in the background. He doesn't hide in the weeds. Like he just. When he wants to get something done, he just he just flies right into the heart of the action and takes care of business. Yeah, well, you didn't say anything otherwise. Like it's not like Filoni said like someone's gonna come out of the shadows and like for sure like that's probably why he's like Thrawn. What's going on here? Like I want this shit to get done. Like do I need to get involved? Whatever it is, you know. Like one episode, these two Jedi are still kicking around. I'm finishing this once and for all. Whatever it is, you know. Vader's not one to hide. If he was going to hide, then, you know, he'd still be a Jedi. Jedi are in hiding, not Sith. <laughs> that's uh, that w- that's pretty much accurate. I don't see Thrawn's endgame. I think he just wants to finish the presence and go move on to another project. Well, then again... Have you have you heard t- this, Em? I heard this. Nothing's canonized here yet, but Timothy Zahn, the creator of Thrawn... Uh, at some convention or something, he was talking about how Thrawn was he aligned himself with the Empire because he thought they were going to win the war, and his main reason for that was because after everything he studied and culture and all that stuff, he he knows and feels that there's something within the unknown regions of space that is going to come and like mess shit up. So oh. he wants to align himself with the the powerhouse of the, the galaxy, kind of. That sounds like Palpatine, too. I can see a clash going on between them. But you see Thrawn also giving uh, Price orders. I don't see the other way around where, you know, Price invited Thrawn to come help her out with the rebel situation. But no, he's coming under complete control of Lothal. For sure, he's the Grand Admiral. Yeah, and then she's a governor. They're... ah, wouldn't you classify them to same ranks? No. Even though she's Grand, a governor? Grand, 
no, Grand Admiral, like, you're right up there, man. Uh, with Governor, you are right up there, too. Not really. I mean, I would consider Senator above Governor. No, I consider Governor over Senator. Because Governor is popular, like, doing the people, and, like, the Senator is the one that's really dealing with the, the bureaucracy and, the like, the federal aspect, well, I, I guess. Well, under the Empire, Senators are have been kind of neutered, whereas you know, Governor Tarkin was, was pretty much the top of the food chain. Yeah, but Governor Tarkin, he's no, grand he's grandma. Ma- he's a grandma. He's grand. He just prefers the term governor because it suited him when he was a governor. Like he liked to keep that term from back in the day, but he's a grand moff. Like he's just above. I think there's how many grand admirals? There's only like seven or something in the Imperial fleet, if I'm not mistaken, something like that. Tron, though, I guess rose to the ranks really quick, right? Because he was an admiral, and then all of a sudden he was a grand admiral as he walked into season three. He did something, uh, something the Empire liked. Well, I guess they need someone who had brains, and Thrawn was the one who has brains. <laughs> Take a look at, you know, some of the Imperial officers have dropped like flies recently. So we got Constantine gone, Slavin gone, Titus gone. There's just. It's like the dominoes are falling. No pun intended there for any Clone War fans out there. <laughs> um, so let's uh, do. The, let's go through the uh, listener comments, huh? Yeah. Okay. If we have a few of those, let's, let's do those quickly. Um, so I was talking with Amy now and again, and um, I want to quickly shout this out because I listened to this this earlier today. They've started a Padme. Podcast, but they call it Podme. Podme, and yeah, I saw that. It, it's actually really good. I really like how they've we got five uh, ladies who come in and talk about you know Padme, and they got a point where she is underrated. But anyway, this is her thought: the stage is being set for a mortis type mythology expanding revelation. She's got a point there. This does feel like a mortis type arc coming into play. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely agree with that. Um, we got again, uh, AC Dragon Riders, uh, with his comment. Love the detail they're putting into how the Imperial op- occupation is, and has changed. Also, really loves the serialized episodes that are now everything, how everything is happening and affecting the characters, especially Ezra, and the mentioning of Saw. And Ezra almost has a point when he says Saw is right. He he's pretty close. Saw Saw does, you know, as much as I don't agree with Saw, he might have a point there. Um, yeah, to a certain degree, it's all it's all relative, right? But well, yeah, his the conclusions he draws are right. Just the the the, the means the he methods. goes about to achieve his ends are are very questionable. Yeah. Um. We got Dontrell again. Loved how Ezra saw the wolf through the forest and no one else couldn't. And like I said, maybe it's come to a point where only Jedi can see him through the forest. Or the wolves just, you know, let them be known to, you know, whoever they please. And we got our last comment from Danny Patrick from a Facebook group called I'm Addicted to Star Wars. Um... (laughs) That's what it's called. 
I enjoyed them both. Very curious on how they're going to end it all. Aren't we all? <laughs> yeah. We we really still have no idea. What, I mean, I, what... Again, I, we we want like if if you were served up all sixteen episodes right now, would you would you be super happy about that, or would you do you prefer what we're getting? So you know, this will go on right into like early spring. Which which version I... do you prefer? As um, Lynn said, um, she's also part of the Palm May podcast. She said that she wants to savor it, not devour it. And I completely agree with her. Completely agree with her. Yeah. Those, I want to savor it. The weights in between are tough, but yeah. I mean, what's the rush, right? I agree. But... All right. Guys, we're done with Bridger Transmission number four. We're really beaming out and putting the hate on the Empire. Love it. I am so rebel scum. I love it. Really do. Yeah, this. I it's mean, this so season so far has just been so tight. Phenomenal, man. Like we are getting our bang for our buck watching this show. Like, uh, I just, I just can't understand a Star Wars fan not liking this show. To be honest, like, I can't wait to see what the show has in store for us when it's all wrapped up, said and done totally believe in Filoni what he's going to do with it and again when I look at it from the child that he was to the young man he's becoming I am loving it man I just missed that old kid that was so playful now he's you know full on crushed the empire whatever it takes yeah it's just a loss of innocence man he's been through a heck of a lot it's been a heck of a roller coaster for Ezra over what maybe three or f- a three or four year period Oh, I don't know. I think there's actually some um, gap between, like, well, there was a six-month gap between two and three, but I think there, there's got to be at least one or two-year gap, maybe, between one and two. Well, we figure now he's about 18 years old. Maybe we, we figure we're a year out from A New Hope. Um, Luke well, was in his early 20s. Well, Luke was Luke 19. Luke and Leia. They were 19 in A New, in a new Hope, and Ezra's, like, and, two days older. Yeah. So, so my age. Yeah. Oh, so can you imagine? Ezra's probably like 18, yeah, right now. Ezra's about 18. And what? how old was he when they picked him up? 14? 14. Almost 14. Almost 14. Yeah. But no, sorry. Like, yeah. Like, Empire Day, 14, 14, 15 years ago. On that note, thanks everybody for listening to Bridge of Transmissions number four. We're going to end the show right here. So, uh, M, Corey, thanks guys. M, where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, at emalum52 e-m-a-l-l-a-m 52 there you go and and don't forget to follow the loft cat I won't steal Dave's little hashtag I won't put white in there uh, follow Kinder's daily journeys and daily activities I put one photo up there and I want to hear your thoughts and I want to see those likes I, I think it's starting to finally catch on yeah, and also M set up a Facebook page for Bridger, Bridger Transmission. So if you want to come and discuss Rebels in a place that uh, is filled with Rebels fans, and you can just say whatever you want about Rebels and not worry about spoilers, then uh, look up the, the Bridger Transmission's Facebook page, which is quickly yeah. gathering steam. So uh, hit that up, and uh, we'll meet you there. Corey, where can people find you on the Twitter? Come on, man. Find me at Chop <laughs> Rules with a Z. <laughs> You go, bro. You go. I almost forgot. And I am at Tumbling Saber. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Come say hello. 
And uh, we'll say hello to you again in episode 100. 100, Corey. It's coming right up. And uh, for Powerful Friends this coming Friday, well, it's going to be, it should be, Journals of the Willing. Nothing is planned for that yet, but uh, hey, the week is young. So stay tuned to your to this channel, and we'll catch you guys again later. And as always, may the force be with you.